This episode of The Table Podcast is brought to you by Southern Fusion Barbecue Sauce. You can pick up some of that spicy Southern sweetness at southernfusionbbq.com. You're listening to The Table Podcast. This is more than just a podcast. It's a place we want to have beneficial, informative, and entertaining conversations, all from a Christian worldview. So thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can join the conversation, too, by emailing us at thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com. The podcast starts in three, two. One. Hey everybody, thank you so much for sitting down at the table this week. Um, I am really uh, fascinated by the guest that I have this week. Um, he is actually a friend that I met through doing kind of a, a temporary intern, not an internship, but a part-time temporary transition role at my father-in-law's church. Um, and he's a kid that was uh, a student that was actually involved with the student ministry. He, uh, he's re- recently graduated, um, and uh, his name is Adam Bradbury. Adam, welcome. Welcome to the table, buddy. Um, I'm glad you took time out of your day to uh, sit down with me and hang out and talk about what we're going to be talking about. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, so just to kind of cut straight to the chase, um, we met. Uh, I was serving kind of as an interim student pastor in transition um, you go to my father-in-law's church. Um, your family goes to my father-in-law's church at TGK. Um, and we met through that. Uh, you, uh, it was really cool because I totally respected you because um, you were a senior and you really didn't have a reason to kind of hang around because there were a lot of younger kids involved in that student ministry, but you hung around and you, uh, I, I respect the heck out of you for that. And and wanting to help through that transition, man. And uh, it was really cool. And that's that's how I got to know you. Um, but for those of y'all that, uh, for, for everybody that's kind of listening, um, Adam is uh, a recent high school graduate, but he has, I don't even, I don't even want to call it a side hustle at this point, man. This is a job for you. Um, Adam, sell, I, I don't even, what's the correct term you're going to use here, Adam? What is, what do you call what you do? Uh, probably resell sneakers. Resell sneakers. Is there like a uh, a specific name for that? For like business purposes, for uh, like government, it uh, resale business. Okay. So so you're you're kind of a now this retail business that you have. Is it does it exist? Is there a brick and mortar store that you operate out of? No, it's just my house. It's just your house. So everything you do, I'm, I'm assuming, is through social media and online, right? Correct. Okay, social media and online. So tell everybody uh, that's listening right now how you got started. Um, kind of walk us from how you got started to right now. Um, and and you don't have to do specific numbers and all that, but I think it to grab people's attention, I think we need to kind of give them a ballpark range. We're just not talking about flipping, you know, uh, uh, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal shoes from Walmart here. Um, there's there's good money to be made in this this trade that you're you've learned. So just go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about um, how you got started and where you're where you're at right now. Okay, so um, about in the middle school year, freshman year of high school, uh, I played basketball, and everyone on the team had like really cool sneakers and all that I wanted. So I was I wanted to find a way that I'd be able to get a pair, and so I started off with like forty dollars, and I had just watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and I seen people do reselling sneakers on a smaller scale so I'm like let me try it um took a while for me to get set up and actually run it 
but I eventually, after like two, three months, was able to get my first pair. Uh, got it for about $150, sold it as soon as I got it in for $320. What was that and first pair? It was a Nike Sakai blazer. It's uh, not popular at all anymore, right. but just in that time, it was uh, pretty big. And then for some reason, right after that, I was able to get like four or five more shoes in the next couple of weeks. So it really started growing from there. Uh, that is all from getting shoes on release day for retail. Uh, there's low supply. Nike hypes the products up through collaborations right. um, and just limited st stock. And then so supply and demand, right. they sell out on seconds. And then once they sell out, then you can flip them on secondary market for more. Yeah. There's also another side to my business. It's um, cleaning up used shoes and then selling them for more. Uh, that is a lot more consistent than brand new pairs because it's easier to get used shoes. You just find people. You can have higher profit margins sometimes. Now, so do I you, started. Oh. Sorry, do you deal with kind of the lower level shoes? Like you walk into, you know, I, I did some flipping a little bit. Um, and I still do, but like you walk into Goodwill and you see an old pair of Air Force Ones that are not really, brand, you know, in good condition on the market and not really that much money. Do you, do you invest time? Like if you can take and clean them up and, and do it, I mean, do you, do you take that risk and buy those shoes? Uh, general, uh, if the price is cheap enough, I'll buy about anything. I found that no matter the condition, no matter really the shoe size, as long as it's like a men's Jordan or a Nike Air Max or whatever, it will sell for $17 eventually. Like <laughs> you'll get $17 on one of the side I sell, the lowest you can list is 25 and after fees and all is $17. So, so, so you're literally going after anything that's going to make you money if you can clean it up and resell it even to, now do you resell to these cats that um, resole and recon recondition these shoes like completely rip the soles off. Do you do that? Um, I I can do that some. I can do that myself sometimes. It's not the best job, but in general, if I'm doing that, it's a higher price shoe. Okay. And I've gotten to the point where I try to stay away from that just because it takes so much time. But mm -hmm. um, if it makes enough money and it makes sense, I'll do it. But like, I'll take shoes from anywhere from like five dollars to i've for a used pair i've spent like recently i bought two used pairs for 1.2k each um wait 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 one twelve hundred dollars a piece yes i bought two of those for that and um <laughs> okay people that listen to this podcast don't can't comprehend why somebody buys a pair of shoes for that amount of money what what drives the price of that shoe in your market what what are the factors so the this specific pair um it released back in 2008 so it's what 14 years old at this point and yeah. um it was a collaboration between nike and kanye west oh. it was very limited and basically at this point anything that has kanye's name tied to it is insanely high so right that used pair which i bought for 1.2 i've sold i think one or two other pairs of that same exact model for 2.1 and 2.2 K. But some people don't new, make that kind of money in a month, dude. Do you realize that? Yeah. It's a, uh, 
I've realized the uh, money I spend since it's reselling, it's everything I get is normally to flip. It doesn't seem like I'm spending that much, but when I talk to other people who don't deal with this much money, it puts in perspective. Right, how much right, money right, right, right. Um, so you got your start in, in high school, you sold that first pair, then you kind of took that money and reinvested it, bought more pairs. When did you kind of take the jump to say, okay, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and oh, by the way, this was all with your money. Um, a lot of people, I'm going to go ahead and just clear the air. Yeah. You're what, 18 years old now? 17? Yeah, 18? 18. 18. Your parents didn't help you a lot financially. This is all you're doing. Like you took the money that you made from these shoes, reinvested it in the shoe business and kept on rolling. Like and your parents, you know, I mean, of course, you know, you hold shoes at their house and all this other stuff, but I mean, that that's, I'm looking, you know, I'm, we're, we're on zoom right now and I'm looking in the background and, and you've got shoe boxes stacked up, you know, three, four feet tall behind you. So um, this has been all under your, your work. I mean, this is all your hard earned work. Now, did you work any part-time job through high school outside of doing this? The only thing was like a seasonal job selling, uh, working for a Christmas tree lot. Um, yeah. Funny story about that with retailing, it was, I, I did that freshman and sophomore year and yeah. it was sophomore year. It was, I've been reselling for about nine months at this point. Um, it was on black Friday, my brother and his friend worked at the tree lot and they worked, I think for 10 hours and after tip and everything, they made $220 pretty good for them. <laughs> yeah. But for me, I decided I was going to take that day off because there is a sh shoe that was releasing. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting, I think, five pairs for a retail price of two thirty-five, right. and I had sold them same day for four hundred a pair. So I worked like two, three hours, so like less than the. It was about a third of the time my brother worked, and ended up making three times as much as he did. And so, and, and that continued to grow, and that was kind of the point where you were like, "Man, I'm I, I'm gonna." Did you have to get, did you go to your parents and say, Hey mom, dad, did, can I just start doing this full time? Um, it started off. My dad was kind of against me doing it, but he was like, well, it, it's, it's your money. So if you want right. to lose it, you can. It just kind of just snowballed into what it is today. Um, it, it, it became full time. Like it was back then I would hit two, three pairs per release. And then now, um, I'm able to get, depending on what Jordan it is about 20 pairs plus yeah. each release. And even if it's just $50 a pair, 50 times 20, it adds up. So and that's, yeah. So, so you're in the, you're in the Charlotte area. Uh, I don't, I, well, I've kind of already said the area that you're from because you go to my father-in-law's church. And so if anybody listens to the podcast, they know where you're from. You're in TKK or the Fort Mill area. Um, so do you travel to Charlotte to buy these new releases or are they just usually around at the mall, foot lockers, foot actions, champ sports, wherever? I mean, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So, um, well, foot lockers and champs, those are in malls and then those have reservation systems, which it's a system that if you know how to work it, you can hit, you can get hit a pair every single time. Okay. on different accounts um so me and my friend we figured out a way to work that but so it goes all around from 
the Charlotte area up to like the Concord area. I'll travel there. Um, I'll even, a couple releases, if it's worth it, I'll go down to Atlanta. I went out, uh, I think three weeks ago, I went out to LA for a sneaker event. So sneaker event. So it's like a conference type of how they do comic cons or whatever. And it, it, it's a sneaker event. Now, um, I, I think it's cool and fascinating to talk money here. Um, not specifically like how much money you've made, but when, so tell us about, is it just a bunch of people with tables set up and they're, it's like a, you know, a glorified flea market and they're selling shoes. Is that what you went, flew out to in LA? I went to LA just to buy shoes. Um, at that event, it was a two day event, 700 vendors at the event. So it was like really big. Um, right. You have stuff ranging from like really small and expensive shoes to there's pairs there that are worth like $80,000, $100,000. Wow. And there's like multiple pairs of those there. So. Okay. So you, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about too, this convention process. So you buy your plane ticket, hop on, I'm assuming you flew. Um, yeah. You flew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you hop on a plane. Did you go with anybody else? Did anybody go with you? Uh, I went with my parents because uh, I can't rent a car. Okay. So, so yeah, mom and dad helped you along. Did the, now knowing your dad, did he go into the convention center with you when you were shopping? No, they, uh, went to an angels game. So, <laughs> so did they I just got to drop you off. Was it at the Staples center or where was it at? Uh, it was Anaheim convention center. Okay. And so they, they just, did they just drop you off and like, Hey mom, come get me. I'm done. I'll, I'll we just... got a hotel like right next to the event. So I just walked over. Okay. It, it was like, I would get there. I got there at like 7 a.m. in the morning and then left at 8 p.m. So I was there for 13 hours. So you were day. working, you were working the whole floor looking for. So when you walked through the door, what was your approach to that whole process? Like, what were you looking for? Um, how much money did you carry with you or did you carry money? Was it a non-cash system? Like, tell us all about that, that whole scenario. So in general, you want to bring cash to events. So this one, I knew it was a little bigger. I brought, I think, about $12,000. I ended up getting, I think, 60 pairs about of shoes at the event. But uh, I have a market in the sense of I've sold so many shoes. I know what each sells for and for what price. Mm -hmm. And also a general idea of even if I haven't sold the shoe, what I can get for it. So There'll be some stuff that I know I can sell quick. And if it's just me making $20 on, I'll take it because I've already made the trip out there. And then right. there's others like you can find brand new shoes that people want to get rid of for under market because they're sell like once every month to every other month. And mm -hmm. there'll be a, it's an app called StockX. So they have a lowest gas and then the highest bid. Highest bid is a guaranteed sale. But so if there's a large gap between that, if you can look at the sale history and determine, okay, it sells once every two months. Right. If I buy this shoe for, there was one shoe I bought for $150. And then actually, this is a better example. I bought the shoe for $290. And the last sale was two, one and a half months ago for $570. Right. So I'll just be patient for two months and then cover that spread between the two. Uh, okay, so um, I just pulled up StockX and just kind of looking. I sorted it by uh, highest bid, and I'm looking at 
a bay a pair of baby Air Force Twos, low white, that the highest bid looks like thirty over thirty four million dollars. Is that, that right? That may be a fake one. Um, some people just joke around. Okay. A good one is so look at. I actually have this shoe right now. I got it yesterday. Okay. Shirts, the Dior Jordan One Low. Okay, I've heard of those. The Dior Jordan One Lows. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Dior Jordan One Lows. Okay. Kind of a gray looking shoe. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, I got those. Yeah, it's listed right now for $5,775 from or the last sale is what I'm looking at. Yeah, so they sell for about 7000 ish in general. Gosh. But uh, I know they won't be able to see it, but I just got a pair yesterday. How much did you pay for that pair? He's literally holding – I am looking. I was looking at, at the shoe on StockX, and now he's holding it in his right hand, a pair of the same Jordan – Dior Jordan 1 Lowe's. How so much – It's a – it's a used pair. I paid, I think, five thousand dollars for it. Um, I'm I'm going to apologize. I probably heard some yelling in the background. I'm I, I'm recording in a church and we have a, a, a day camp, so I want to apologize about that. So carry on. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I paid uh, five thousand dollars for it. Um, I got it more for the long term investment right. perspective of it. Um, because in the past year the shoe went from five thousand dollars to now selling for seven thousand five hundred is. So went up 2,500 in the last year. Right. It There's limited amount of pairs, extremely, for, for the price, high demand. So right. it's good price action. So. so what made that pair of shoes, that pair of shoes? Like what, what went into all of it? And I, and I think also kind of for our listeners, let's, as we come across words, I may inter, interject and say, hey, define what, you know, if you use the word colorway or dead stock or whatever, kind of, you know, walk us through what makes that pair of Jordan, Jordan ones, what they are. So I think the biggest reason behind why they're so expensive is this is the first time I believe that Nike has ever released a pair of shoes with the collaborate, like in a collaboration with a high end luxury brand. So that's right. Dior. Um, and it's on their most popular model, the Jordan 1. Right. So when they went together, obviously, since it, it was Dior pricing, so right. designer is up. So the retail value of the shoe was $2,000, mm-hmm. which is in general higher for Nike, but there was only 8,500 pairs made. They're all numbered. So you can, it's verifiable. There's, there's limited stock. It was insanely hard to get a pair because you, only public release was with a raffle where you had to fly down to a Dior store to actually pick them up. And then um, they just got blown up through a social media. One of the biggest TikTok persons on that app right. got a pair. So that blew them up more. Um, a bunch of news articles were written about it. Right. And then so funny thing with what Nike they do is they have made a bunch of other shoes that are similar color blocking. So right. it's in the same white, light gray with a icy blue sole. Yeah. Um, they've released, I think, four different pairs for like their retail value, a lot cheaper. And then those are even selling for like $300 more just because people like that shoe. So even the knockoff, and it's not really a knockoff because Nike's is still the same shoe but because it's not the original Dior run of the collaboration, 
it's still getting what the average I, I mean you're talking average man probably spends anywhere from 25 to 80 bucks on a pair of shoes and that pair of shoes is still getting three hundred dollars that is that is absolutely crazy um so at, at this convention like is security like super tight is it i mean i know there's people from all around the country there's you know there's a lot of stuff being sold i know that on top of the the sneaker market um there is you know you've got the apparel stuff that even even supreme you i remember it was like one time we were having a conversation you were just wearing a simple supreme t-shirt and you were like oh yeah this shirt i got for blah 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 and i'm probably going to resell it for blah 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 and I, and I was like but bro you're wearing the shirt he's like it doesn't matter so like is that there too as well alongside the shoes uh yeah so at the event for security um they have people it's it's not the most secured event, but in general, I've never seen anyone necessarily get straight robbed or anything. You, right. take, you take your own security measures. Like if you have a table, don't put both shoes out on the table. Only put one side right. out. Um, and then for authentication, they have two different sets of authenticators because there's a lot of fakes out there. Oh, yeah. So you have to make sure that what you're buying ends up being legit. And so that's there for that. And then... Um, they anything it ranges from shoes, uh, sports cards are there. It, mm. Those resell. Um, consoles like PlayStation Fives, Xboxes. Mm. Those those were there. Those resell good. And then sh- designer stuff. They have bags, shirts. About it's gotten to the point where this market, the resale market, stretches to. We've gone from just shoes to anything that resells at this wow. point. Yeah. So what's been your biggest bust that you've, since you've been doing this, what's been the biggest bust of a pair of shoes that you've bought that you've maybe lost? Have you lost money on anything? Yeah. Uh, I've done pretty well. Um, some of the stuff may have been a stupid idea of holding the shoe and it eventually goes up after a while when I could have sold that, taken a loss, reinvested the money, ended up making more. But I don't think I've really ever taken a loss over like $20, $50. And it's like, I think I roughly average about buying 175 shoes a month. And out of those only like two or three, I'll take a loss on. Wow. So, so like you walked out of that convention in LA with, you said, whatever, 70 pairs of shoes, about 60 pairs, 60. So how did you, I mean, did you have a bag, a buggy, uh, like, were you walking around with a shopping cart? Uh, like how do you manage all of those shoes and get them back to your house? So for the actual event, I bought a vendor's table. I didn't vend. I just had the table to set the pairs and keep them safe while I was walking around the event. To get them back, I shipped them back with UPS. So like the net price of the shipping was $215, but breaking it down per shoe, it averaged to be like $4 a shoe. So when I went and bought the shoe, I put in, okay, I'll have to spend four more dollars to ship it back home. Wow. Wow. Um, I just got the note, uh, just, uh, so you, you've bought the vendor's table and so did you get back on the plane with all 70 pairs of shoes? Like, did you buy or did you ship them home? How did you do that? I shipped them with UPS. Okay. So, yeah. so I guess they had, did they have a UPS representative at the, at the event? Like, no. Hey, so the event was Saturday, Sunday. Um, I, my plane left at 1159 PM Monday night. So it was basically midnight Tuesday. 
So I had all Monday to pack all the shoes and actually get them shipped out. Okay. Okay. So you, you, so you, I'm, I'm assuming you brought them back to the hotel room, put them in boxes, bought a box, you know, and y'all took them to the UPS store before y'all got back on the plane and, and kind of, and they, did they beat you to Fort Mill or did, did you get them a couple of days later? Uh, we got to Fort Mill on Tuesday. They got here on Thursday, Friday. It was four day shipping. Okay. So after, let's talk numbers here. How much in that one day with those 70 pairs, how much, how much did you end up spending? You may have told me, I didn't, I don't remember. I brought 12,000 and I spent all 12,000. You spent all 12,000. So you spent $12,000 of that money on, on sneakers. What was your, what was, what was your biggest get when you went out there? Was it the Dior's or did the Dior's come a different way? I got the door Dior's just yesterday at one of the big stores up here. Um, I haven't sold, I've sold, I think about 20 of those 70 pairs, uh, processing time to get them in lifting is taking a little bit for me. Cause I have like a couple hundred other pairs I have to get to, but, mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, one of the shoes I'll make about $300 on. Wow. And so you, you feel like with that, the $12,000 spent that you're, Rough guesstimate. How much do you think you're going to make off of off of just that one trip, spending twelve thousand dollars? You're gonna you're gonna yield about what? So, like in general, my average spark profit margin for this year is twenty eight point five percent. For events, I'll take it, it. It will be a little bit lower, so I just say twenty percent. Um, right. So that's what two thousand four hundred. I think the trip to get out there though costs. So I went out Wednesday mm-hmm. and did Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just touring LA just mm-hmm. to make the trip even worth it. So yeah. it's gonna, it was a little more on a trip, but so I'll make about 700 off a trip, but okay. I also got to be in LA for a week. For yeah. Three. Yeah. So, so it's there. I mean, there's give and take and it's also like, what's crazy is Adam, you are, you are running a full blown business. Like there are bake shops, there are bicycle shops, there are auto mechanic stores that don't turn the profit that you turn in one year. And you're just selling, not making light of what you do, but, but you're simply studying a market, studying supply and demand and going, Hey, um, I'm just going to go after what's going to sell. And you take, and buy what's going to sell and you resell it gaining either $20 or, you know, $2,000 off of it, whatever. And you're throwing it back in your business. Like there are some college classes that um, you're going to, bro, you're going to be bored with when you get to Clemson. I mean, you're, you're are you, are you going to be doing business at Clemson? Uh, yes. I think I'm majoring in accounting. You're going to major. In, <laughs> you're going to be like, Hey, prof, let me, let me teach this real quick. I'll show you. Um, I got this. Uh, that that's crazy. So, but you also um, were you were, were you homeschooled as well? Yeah, I was homeschooled all throughout high school. Uh, senior right. year, I did take all my classes at a community college. Right. Uh, but reselling was a factor in it. I think I could have gone. I could have gone to public school anytime. Right. But like sophomore year, I'm like, well, if I go to public school, I'm taking a lot of time away from my business. That's- so. I might, I'm just going to stay home too. That, that's insane, man, because there's a lot of kids that are still like, I mean, of course, you're still like doing what an 18, 19 year old would do 
17, 18, 19 year old would do hanging out with her friends, playing call of duty. Like you're, you're in the, like you're having fun, but you're also, you're a fully self-sufficient adult too. Like you have a business that you can support your way of life off of. And, um, which is crazy because there are a lot of people that bust their tails working part-time jobs or full-time jobs that they can barely make ends meet. And this is just you sitting back and studying a market. Like you caught, you, you caught the bug. Like you got bit by, by seeing, you know, money change hands over that first pair. And you were like, Hey, I can, I can do something with this. So um, let me ask you this and, and, and we'll, uh, we'll transition here in a few minutes. Um, but let me ask you this. Have you ever held on to any of the sneakers that you've bought? Uh, yeah. So like when I say I've got, gotten better at it, uh, it, 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 I used to like, I have so many pairs I can just sell. I can just wear them while they're posted for sale and just clean them up get back to make it so they can sell. But right. I only keep like five pairs for myself. Mm-hmm at one point in time but those five pairs are like over a thousand dollars uh it used to be to the point where i'd be keeping like 12 shoes but then i realized this is holding too much money i need right. to sell them i can get them back another time right so, so those deal those doors that you those doors that you just bought are they um are they your size or did yeah. you just buy a pair to have a pair of doors no i bought them to wear so you, they're already they're already used. So okay, uh, my philosophy is I can take them, I can wear them in college, have a fun time with that, um, <laughs> and then once I graduate college, uh, I talk to a couple other my friends who do like the same business and all. We all yeah. think there'd be at least a ten thousand dollars shoe used at that point. Yeah. So I can take them, I can wear them for three years, and then I can sell them for. Ooh, man, that blows my mind that you could potentially be wearing a pair of $10,000 shoes on your feet, walking the campus of Clemson university, which that's not crazy to think now in, in now's day. So, so let, let me ask you this kind of um, to transition here to uh, where are you taking this? How long are you going to ride this? Where uh, is this something you see yourself doing in 10 years? If this market's still the way it is. Um, it's hard to think for 10 years about the market where it's at now because it's just blown up so much recently but shoes have been reselling since like the 2000s um i see as long as they resell shoes resell i'll still be doing it at some point at some time what i'm looking for right now is um to make as much money as possible between now and while i'm in college so when i'm out of college i can then proceed to get into other investment markets like real estate stock markets and that stuff. So then I can right. set myself up. So where I can keep doing this as well as have other passive income sources and then scale the passive income sources up to be a full income. Yeah. So, so you're, man, it, it, I still, and not knocking you, man, I'm still, my mind's blown. Every time I, I talk to you, I'm like, this dude's 17 and he's, He's running a more lucrative business than men who are 60 and have spent their whole life investing in whatever they're doing. Um, so what other what other things interest you on the horizon? Like I know that there's there's a lot of spinoff uh, within this shoe market. Like you've got the collectibles 
that's spin off of the shoes. And then also kind of one of the big things that's spinning out is this NFT thing. I've listened to Gary Vanderchuk's podcast a lot. Now, once again, disclaimer, mom, dad, um, Gary V does have some very salty language. I will, I will give that ground. Um, he is not a believer. He does not follow Christ. Um, he is a lost soul and we can pray for him and, and pray for, uh, him to come to know the Lord, but his business savvy, his mind, uh, he talks a lot about NFTs. So do you know much about NFTs? Um, I haven't, I have a decent idea. Um, I haven't necessarily gotten in heavy into them. I've dabbled a little bit, made decent, uh, enough money for that. Uh, I do have friends who are a lot heavier in it. Right. What they told me is don't get in. It took me six months of losses before I started seeing any type of profit. And at, at, at that point with the whole NFT crypto space, right. it's just complete luck. Right. I'm not and saying it, in the future it won't be, but. Right. So the NFT kind of, they go along with cryptocurrency and the ups and downs of that market, which is crazy. I, I mean, I'm I, I, for about two or three months, I mined Ethereum with my, my personal computer at home for a while. But like um, in that whole total process, I, I've, I've, I'm, I was able to mine, mine enough to where, you know, I'll check the, the portfolio and it's 80 bucks one day. And then three days later, it's $170. And then you look at it again and it's $40. And then two weeks later, it's 200 something dollars, you know, like, uh, there's just not a, it, it's very up and down. So is, is the NFT, are, are NFTs, and and so explain, maybe what you know, explain to me, you know, what, what is NFT, do you know what NFT stands for? Uh, non, non-fungible token. So it, it's a, and here's my understanding and, and jump in and correct me, you know, it's a piece of digital um, currency or a digital, a valuable digital piece. And, um, people can purchase the originals of this digital piece. And in a lot like the shoe market, there's somehow value in these digital collector's items or whatever that go up and down. And you can choose to like, they, they sell NFTs on StockX. And so one of the things I looked at, it was like an NFT for a shoe. And it said, hey, you can buy this NFT and it rises and falls, but you can also take an exchange, you know, turn this NFT in for a tangible pair of shoes, the tangible pair of shoes. So it's a world that's very weird to me. I don't fully understand it. it do I have a, I mean, is that kind of what you understand NFTs, NFTs to be? Uh, Yeah, from what I understand, it's, for, for the nft to necessarily have value it the project as a whole has to be believed in or there has to be something that is backed by the nft itself so uh like the shoe uh people are doing that like i see in the future since uh the whole thing about nfts is since it's written on the blockchain which is the same as what crypto is you can verify that this is the a hundred percent this is the exact, like, if there was 8,000 made, you can guarantee that that is whatever number it says out of 8,000. So that's for sure. So in the future, if for like sports tickets, that stuff, so people don't get scammed, right? you can use NFTs. That's how I see it going forward. Um, 
like I've heard before with the whole tech companies back then, uh, there's a billion, like a million tech companies out that were out there. There's a bunch of NFTs out there, but in the end, only like 10 or 15 are going to end up being successful in a couple yeah. of, in five years. But, and all of this is, is fascinating because all of this is a spinoff of kind of the sneaker, the sneaker shoe market. Like these are similar people who are investing in these highline sneakers are some of the same people that are, are doing the NFT stuff, the collectibles, all of that other stuff. Um, what, let me ask you this too. Um, what's your, what's your unicorn pair of shoes that you would, would sell the majority of your stock right now in order to attain? Well, like since I just got the Dior's, that was kind of one of them. Right. So, I mean, I did, I, I would I would make sure whatever I got would possibly that it I believe that it would go up in value so where you can wear it and it's still that's the good thing about shoes kind of it's an asset that if you make the right investment that as you wear it if you buy it for the right price you'll be able to sell it for what you got it for if not more I've done that with a couple of the shoes I've had for my personal collection right I get them for like a thousand dollars and I end up selling them for one thousand two hundred after wearing it for six months, I would make sure that it wouldn't be a dumb purchase that buy it for $10,000 and then go down to like a thousand dollars after you wear it. Right. I mean, a couple of years, it's not worth much at all. So how do you, now, is there a process that you go through to clean your shoes? Like, how do you, I know this is maybe a, what, what do you do to clean them? How do you preserve them? So it's a bunch of trial and error. I've been doing this for like three, four years of cleaning shoes and stuff. So uh, to clean the soles in general, you use acetone. You have mm-hmm. to make sure it doesn't get on the midsole because that can mess up the midsole paint and stuff. So, um, so kind of explain like I'm five. I know I'm, I'm interjecting, but um, what is the midsole for someone that's listening? Like explain the midsole. It's like, so if you take out the insole of the shoe, so right. like that would be the midsole section right there. It's kind of on the bottom of the midsole is the sole. And then on the top is where the actual part of a sneaker is. Okay. So for like running shoes, that foam part in the middle, right? That would be considered the midsole. Okay, so you, you're cleaning these shoes and you use acetone for the soles, essentially. Um, now, does acetone strip if there is a a like a, with some of the Nike skate, skating shoes and stuff like that? There's different colors on the soles. Does that strip the color off the soles as well? As long as the sole is rubber, it right. won't affect that. Um, but in there's so many different shoes out there. So like each one you could approach different is like some shoes you can just put in the washing machine for them to clean up. And then once you take them out, they'll dry and be fine. Right. Others, if you put them in the washing machine, uh, the water would just mess them up completely. So, yeah. Do you, what do you do to clean the, uh, the tops of the shoes? I, I don't know the specific name of it, but like the, the top area of the shoe. Uh, it just depends on the material. Uh, sometimes if it's leather, you can kind of use acetone for some stuff. Or just soap and water with a brush. Yeah, that's usually kind of the best bet. Um, have, have you ever messed up and like ruined a pair trying to clean them? Yeah, so <laughs> it was like I got the shoe for I think $780 or something. And like I had did some research on how to clean it. And so I thought I knew what I was doing, but it ended up I put too much water and it was like a, uh, unfinished leather so the water got in the leather and once water gets in leather 
it won't come out. It's permanently stained. The funny thing is I did end up selling those for a $25 profit. <laughs> so you still, you messed up cleaning the shoe and you still made a profit of it. That's, that's how kind of, um, I mean, you come across the right person that wants the shoe, regardless, they're going to pay to buy the shoe to get the shoe that they want. Case in point, your Dior's, you know, like you wanted that shoe and you did what you needed to do to get that shoe. Um, talking about the, I mean, the culture behind it and, and you, you see it every now and then, but the fights that break out at these shoe stores and stuff like that over, over Jordans and stuff like that. Do you, do you try to set yourself up to where you're not in a high risk situation where that may happen? Like how release day on, on a brand or a shoe that you know, that is going to be super popular. How do you, what do you do to protect yourself, Adam? Um, in general, Charlotte is a very safe city for that stuff. Right. Never seen really many fights right. break out. So it's to the point now where about everything is through a reservation process. So you go in already knowing you have the shoe. Right. The only thing is like leftovers and that stuff. Uh, but it is to the point now where if, if there's too many people, they just shut it down and do it. It's either a reservation or a random time. Yeah. So it's, they've got it to the point where in general, unless it's like a very big shoot. So my friend's in Atlanta. And he resells down there. Uh, Atlanta's a lot bigger in shoe market than Charlotte. They have an actual Nike corporate store in Lenox Square. Wow. So they get releases and stuff, and they're doing it first come, first serve at a random time. Right. But Atlanta resellers, they have a bunch of different groups they're in. Right. So they'll get leaked information and then just spread it out. So it was a Hyper Royal Jordan 1, very popular at the time. Yeah, I've seen that like, shoe. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're you buy about. it. About $180, you probably could get it sold for $400, $450. Right. So Nike does first come, first serve on them. And in 15, 30 minutes, there is, I think, 800 people outside. Wow. They had to shut the whole mall down. So it's it's worse than Black Friday in some situations, like for for a shoe release. Um, So let's talk most popular shoes. I know that. Just in the little bit of research that I I looked at StockX and and other, I I know that the Travis Scotts are kind of, that's another collab between Nike and Travis Scott, correct? Yeah, Travis Scott's are. So, so, correct me too, didn't you have a pair of Travis Scotts at one time? Yeah, I've had, so he's released, I don't know off the top of my head, but probably about eight to 10 collaborations. I probably had about, seven to eight of those collaborations. I've had most every single Travis Scott that has released right. uh, at one point in time. Uh, the ones that do sell the best for out of those is the Air Force ones and the Jordan ones yeah. from the Travis Scott collab. Right. And, and now what, what kind of caught me off guard a couple, couple of days ago, I was just, I found come across a shoe that I was like, man, I would love to have a pair of those. And so I started kind of chasing the rabbit trail of what the shoe was called and I found out that the shoe was a Nike Dunk, and it was a low, it was a low top Nike Dunk. What in the world makes those shoes so expensive? Like, why, why are just a regular issue pair of Nike Dunks approaching two hundred dollars? So, about it wasn't always like that. It was at probably about I'd say twenty 
2019, 2020 in that area, dunks would just sit at stores. No one was really bothered picking it up. It wasn't a popular model. But Nike has a thing where they're able to make models popular. Um, they're kind of catch a, a interest group setting in, and then they're just start putting them out in a strategic manner to where at some point they're able to release two, three pairs of dunks a week and they sell out. Dunks just blew up over COVID. Um, yeah. The COVID quarantine area, that was probably people were kind of at home wanting to do something, spend money, I guess. And yeah. Dunks had already built something up. But I right. think, like I said, again, TikTok, I'm not a fan of the app whatsoever. But right. uh, when people see their those people on the app wearing shoes like that, they're doing right. the same thing you did, go on StockX, see the shoe. And that just blew the duck market up to now. Anything in the past is up. Anything that released now is up. Nike has released so many dunks that it's settled down a little. It was right. at the point where dunks were selling for like three to five hundred dollars. Yeah. After release day. Right. And so, so would you sit on a pair of dunks today to see if they increase in value? That's a real tough one. Um, <laughs> it, it's such a weird market. You you can catch. Firstly, I say no. Um, there, there's sometimes some that like will be going for 170 and then like in three months, they'll be up at 250, 300. Wow. But it's, they release so many and there's so many out there that it's no one's really wanting to pay $300 for a dunk. Yeah. Cause they can find another one that is similar for $200. Right. Um, in my opinion, better investments are Jordan one mid. Mm-hmm. and um big size retro jordan so like wow. if a if a retro 13 comes out uh if you can get it for retail you can normally get it for retail under retail right. if you get for like a size 14 uh at retail in general it is a very consistent that that shoe depending on the model and colorway but if it's a right. decent model and colorway yeah. It will be, it will increase a hundred dollars in six months. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a while ago and you mentioned that Kanye had, had done a collaboration with Nike. Um, now Kanye has worked with Adidas for years uh, with the Yeezy line of shoes. Like, I mean, he, he's got, I, I don't know how many different styles of Yeezys there that actually exist, but it goes back to that whole thing of what makes that Kanye Nike so valuable is that Kanye now is solely releasing shoes through Adidas and to have that version of, of Kanye West shoe working with Nike is, is pretty, pretty, pretty valuable. Um, have you ever come across any of those? Of the Nike? Yeah. Yeezys? Uh, yeah. So I have two pairs of the Air Yeezy ones right now. So they released six pairs. It was the Air Yeezy one net. Zins and Blinks, and then he went on to his second model, which was the Air Yeezy Two Red October um, Blinks, and I think Pure Platinums or something. So, I forgot the model. The so we're model. probably talking. We're probably talking 2015 that these shoes were released, or is it earlier than that? I believe 2012. 2012. 2010. 2012. So the, the so the value on that pair of shoes right now is around what? For Red Octobers. Uh, that is probably the most popular kind of shoe that has released. I'll look them up right now. 
Is that the basketball shoe that has the 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 jagged edge back of the shoe? I, I don't know. I saw a pair of Kanye's. Uh, no, those were released to Adidas. Never mind. Scratch that. No, yeah, those are. They have like they're all red with yeah the jagged edge in the back. So those released in 2014, and they're yeah. now a size nine and a half. Is selling for twenty seven thousand dollars. Good gosh, man, that is Crazy. a nice. Well, not now with with the way, so yeah, with the way inflation's going, well, has that has that driven the price of, of sneakers up too? Like the way the market is with inflation. Uh in general, I feel like sneakers, the market of sneakers is somewhat safe from inflation, with the fact of the only effect is when Nike increases the retail price. But when that happens, the resale price of it just increases by that amount yeah. in general, because the people who are spending money on shoes have money to spend on shoes in right. general. So right. those people aren't necessarily as affected by inflation as others. It's a hobby for them, and and they this money that they put back into their hobby. Well, let me kind of as we wrap our conversation up, man. I I really appreciate you kind of you sitting down here at the table with me and talking all the talking about this stuff because it's incredibly fascinating. Um, but for a dad that is seeing, or a mom that is seeing their son or daughter get into this world, let's, let's rewind the clock. And what would, what would Adam right now want Adam's parents to know as he got in, as he started to venture out into this market? Like, what are some things that parents can safely guide? What are some tips that they can have to safely guide their, their children, or teenager through if this is something they want to do, like what can they do? It's a very, uh, you can teach uh, your, your kid a lot of financial lessons through it. Cause I've learned so much about finances stuff, like tax returns, credit cards, all that stuff through doing it. Um, but I would say just at first, take it slow. Um, let the kid put their own money in, figure it out themselves. Um, I, I may not be the best example because I just threw <laughs> everything I had in. Yeah. Uh, it's people will get into it for three to six months. And then when they don't see them doing the numbers, they see other people doing, they get out of it. Uh, right. It's going to be a long process because I think the first year I only got like, I only went through like 220 shoes and made like three, 4,000 my first year. Uh, to the point now where I'm buying 175 shoes a month, um, going to have over 300,000 in sales this year. I have like 450 pairs in inventory. Wow. But that's over a span of three to four years. Um, so, it's, it's pausing. Sorry. Where do you store? Cause you don't have any, you want to keep that secret uh, or vague. You can, of course, you don't have 450 pairs of shoes behind you right now. Where where do you store them? Uh, majority is at my house. Some, uh, one of the apps I buy on offers storage. So it's free storage. If you buy it, they'll keep them at their warehouse. You can either ship it to yourself or sell them directly on the app. Wow. And then, yeah, those main, and then stuff sometimes I have sent out to a consignment. There's, you can send this pairs to consignment stores in like new york chicago miami la yeah. uh some are sitting in those warehouses so so you're saying to the parent hey allow this kid if they if this is an interest that they have to walk slowly through it don't get discouraged but but 
focus more on the lessons that they're learning as far as operating a business, as far as credit card management, um, overhead, investment, returns, all this back and forth of running a business. Like, do you, you have the savvy right now to run a business because you are running a business. You've run a business for what, three or four years now. Um, yeah. And that's the thing that people don't realize. Now, speaking of business, um, of course, I don't, I don't want to end this thing without letting you kind of plug where people can come and peruse your inventory uh, and purchase stuff off of you, man, because man, I, I still want to see you be successful. Um, this is really, really cool learning all this information. So where, um, where can I, where can I go to find your, you know, social media stores, website, whatever, just kind of go ahead and tell us where we can find you at. Uh, so at this point, the way I have my setup, the way I have my business set up is majority of my sales are going through a third party app. So you'd buy the shoe or you'd have to list the shoe, ship it to them. They ship it to the buyer. So it keeps buyer and seller anonymous. Um, okay. That and a store. I do that so I don't have to spend time necessarily messaging people directly. Okay. Uh, cut down on time on that. I can get a high enough price on there that I won't. But mm -hmm. I do have an Instagram. I'm active on it. I don't post much, but right. if anyone has a specific shoe they want right. or just wants to come and talk more about the business as a whole, yeah. I'll respond to the message same day about. And that's yeah. uh, n.a underscore s-n-k-r-s. Okay. Do that. Do that one more time. Uh, on Instagram, it's n.a underscore s-n-k-r-s. Okay. So what, and what I'll do is I'll try to link to that specific Instagram on your, uh, on, on the description of this podcast, man. Um, I know that like we could probably spend another hour talking about this fascinating world. Um, but man, I really, I really appreciate you sitting down at the table, man. Um, another, have you, I know we talked about it before. Have you watched the Sneakerheads documentary on, I think it's either Amazon prime or Netflix or something like that? I don't know. I do. I have watched uh, the Last Dance documentary with Michael Jordan, and that okay. blew every single Jordan up by a hundred. Yep. To a couple yep. thousand dollars. So, yep. so, so, just out of curiosity, before we wrap up, if if you know a dad pulls his old Jordan ones out of the closet, original release Jordan ones in there in mint condition, what is that sneaker going for today? Just guesstimation. So one of the stores I work closely with up in North Charlotte, they had a brand new pair of 1984 Brad Jordan ones. So that's the second pair that released mm -hmm. and they sold that for $27,000. Good gosh, man. Wow. That's crazy. Um, if, if a parent wants to do some research on, uh, and, and their child or, or their teenagers looking into doing what you're doing, is there, are there resource sites that they can go to, to check out, to look at, to learn, to whatever? Uh, they can either contact me or you can just look up YouTube. That's yeah. how I got started. Um, yeah. There is paid groups you can be in. I'm in a couple of those, but that is more once you get advanced, you, once you start running bots for releases and that stuff, Yeah, that's more helpful for you. Um, but just to get the basic, YouTube's a great place to start. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Adam, man, I really appreciate you taking time and, and sharing just kind of about your passion, your love, and, and being a uh, young man that has like really taken some time and 
made a business for himself and made a way for himself. Just a one final quick question. I'm looking over your right shoulder and the, the, the space looking box that you've, you've got a couple of space looking boxes. What's in that box? It's a Nike. I know. Oh, right? those are yeah. actually Pumas. Um, oh, so, okay. I was wrong. Yeah. Um, LaMelo Ball's signature shoe with them. Basketball shoe has uh, resold. And since we're in Charlotte, we get a lot of pairs. And uh, Okay. Being that he's that he's from, he plays for the Hornets. It's not, a, it's just him as a, people just like the shoe, I guess. Yeah. You can sell it on stock, like stock X and you can make, if you get it for retail, you're making like $50, $80 a pair. Yeah. And there is one that, I was I got a couple pairs for hundred and forty five dollars, and now they're at like four hundred and fifty. Yeah. So also, if a person's listening to this and going, "Yeah, I do, I do sell sneakers like uh, Adam does," what's the? Uh, do you want to give the name of the third party site that you work through to sell most of your sneakers? Uh, it's Goat. Um, yeah, that's you can list new and brand new shoes. Right. I have a mix between Goat and StockX. I've sold so much on StockX, I have like. 5% lower fee than the general public can get. Um, right. So that's helpful right. for some stuff, but Goat and StockX is my main one. Goat, G-O-A-T, right? Goat yep. and just search like Goat and Sneakers and it'll probably be one of the first hits on Google. Yeah, if you search Goat Sneakers, it's just a black icon with white goat in the middle. Awesome. Okay, sweet. Well, dude, Adam, thanks, man, for sitting down at the table. This has been a fascinating conversation, dude. I wish the best of luck and success to you. Um, and uh, it's awesome. I may run into you this fall when you're at Clemson, dude. So go Tigers, and congratulations on graduating high school. And, uh, man, I, I hope your pursuits and your furthering your education and your business at Clemson. And, by the way, if you're at Clemson this fall or, or you're at Clemson right now, I know there's some people that listen to Clemson. I'm going to have to connect you with one of my buddies that was actually on the podcast that works for Clemson FCA, Brian Narciss. He actually uh, he uh, plays. He works with the basketball team there. So I might need to connect you guys, and you can you can. Uh, I know that there's going to be a- athletes look for shoes and look for specialty shoes like you deal with a lot too. So, man, once again, Adam, thanks for sitting down at the table, buddy. Uh, I appreciate uh, having you. And all the information about this podcast will be listed in the show description below. And thank you everyone for downloading the podcast and uh, listening right here at the table. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Table. Any information about today's guest will be in the comments section of this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, feel free to email us, thetablepodcastsc at gmail.com. See you next week here at The Table.